unbashful. Today's episode, I don't know why I just did that. It felt right. Okay, we're going to move forward. <laughs> um, today, we have quite a few headliners to go with. And we're going to begin with a pretty interesting topic. Fan, fandom toxicity across film and uh, you know this form of entertainment. And we often see this toxicity with our big franchise properties with, of course, Marvel, Star Wars. I'm not particularly a Star Wars fan, but a lot of the content creators I watch that cover Marvel, they'll often cover Star Wars. And I'll hear a lot of the chatter surrounding Star Wars, how... Fans are saying this and that about, you know, Obi-Wan and all that. If you're a Star Wars fan, tap in. Let me know how rough it is with this toxicity, this divisiveness. And I'm going to give my two cents because I think this is a pretty interesting conversation right now because I think this, this toxicity in fandom is at an all-time high. I see it every day, whether it's having to do with myself interacting with, it, with, with another fan or seeing fans interact with each other on you know various platforms like whatever youtube of course youtube i think is probably the biggest or even like instagram and you know there's toxic fans everywhere it's not just like movies and stuff like that like i see toxic fan i see toxic nba fans like i can't stand um people like skip bayless that just have essentially made a career off tarnishing certain players names or not even tarnishing their names but really kind of earning a living off of their likability. Like he's built a career all predicated off of LeBron James, but for the wrong reasons, right? For all the shit he says about LeBron James. And he's not the only one. There's lots of people, but he's, for me, he's a standout. But that's besides the point. Um, the thing about movies, right? So I used to be one of these people where, you know, back way back in the day, I used to be one of these people where I would try and convince other people to like a movie. And if they didn't like a movie, I would look at them as if like, well, why? Like, why can't you enjoy it? Like, and I would list, you know, reason X, Y, and Z. And I have since separated myself from that kind of fan. And those fans right now are, have gotten even worse, right? Now it's not even like, okay, I'm going to try and convince you to like this movie. Now it's like, if you don't like this movie, like you're a fucking terrible human being or, or this weird sort of pretentious, like you, oh, you don't like this movie. Well, you don't understand the themes and, and, and you're not of this other echelon of intellect. Like, it's just this arrogant, like I was never that bad, but there was often times where like, you know, when I, I'd say when I was probably like 17, 18, um, when I really started getting into movies where I was like, you know, very passionate, of course, but I, I, I couldn't like, like I wouldn't make fun of someone for not liking it, but I also would like, I couldn't understand, I couldn't comprehend, but it was such a simple concept that film is, is just subjective. That's all it comes down to. There's people out there that hate movies that are regarded as like the pinnacles and the Mount Rushmore's of cinema. And you know what? That's okay. That's perfectly fine. And in reality, what is the point of trying to argue and convince somebody that their perception of art should be your perception of art and vice versa? There's there's just there's no point because in reality, everybody has their own perspective on things, and that perspective has been formed and molded throughout their upbringing, throughout their childhood, throughout their you know family 
you know, whatever, um, the people that they've grown up around, that will inherently dictate how they perceive and how they, you know, consume things. And it's going to be different from everybody. So I think once I understood that, I just stopped doing that toxic, like, if somebody didn't like Avengers, for example, like, I wouldn't sit there and like try and like, you know, convince them to almost join like a cult or something. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm exaggerating, of course, but that's how, for some people, that's how fucking toxic it is. It's like, and I see it a lot with Marvel fans. It's like, if you don't, it's like, this is how it works for a lot of these Marvel properties. It's like, if something has an overwhelmingly positive reception, if like one outlier stands out that someone that doesn't like it, then all the people that love it are like, how are you not a part of our group? And, and, and how, how do you not like this? It's like, you know, it almost comes down to like a psychological element. It's like, as human beings, we want to be, we want to belong. We want to be in, in like, in groups. We want to be a part of something. We want to feel like we're contributing to something. And, you know, it's fun as a fan when, you know, you're, you're a part of this group and uh, of fans that love something like Marvel. That's okay, but you can also be critical of something. You can also dislike something. That's okay, right? Like, you don't, and you don't always have to defend yourself. Like, there's been many times where I've had to almost explain and defend myself why I like something, whether it's to my friends or to other people. It's just like, dude, I don't like it. That's fine. Move the fuck on. Like, it, it should not... And, you know, I see that with a lot of people. It's, you know, let's take Ms. Marvel, for example, right? I'm going to get into my review for it, but I'll be honest with you. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all, really. There, there were, you know, there were some things that I enjoyed. Um, I, I finally watched all six episodes. I said, you know, a month and a half ago, I, I was going to wait for the show to fully release all six episodes. I was waiting for them to all release on Disney+. Plus. And then I was going to sit down and binge it and watch it. And I did that a couple days ago. And, you know, it's not like I don't hate it. And I don't think it's the worst thing that the MCU has done. But in regards to Phase 4, I think it's probably the weakest project that, that's come out in Phase 4. And, you know, that's that's just my opinion, right? Like, it's nothing against the actors. Now, here's when it, here's when it actually becomes an issue, though. Is when it becomes an issue of, like, you know, sending, like, death threats. Like, crazy shit. That, that's what I'm talking about with this toxicity. Like, I, like, like I said, I'm not a, really a Star Wars fan. But I was hearing about a lot of the things in the chatter surrounding Obi-Wan, which is like the latest Marvel property that's come out. And there was a lot of like, apparently like death threats and like racist shit going on that had to do with the actress. And like, she's just an actress. She's just doing her job, right? Like there, there's, if you don't enjoy the character or you think her performance is bad, like that's fine. But like, there's no need to step outside the boundaries of like, you know, of the show, of the character and start attacking her race. Like that has nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't understand that. And, you know, threatening her, 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 her personal well-being. Like, now she's not going to want to engage in the Star Wars franchise anymore. And it's probably going to stop her. It's probably going to make her really kind of skeptical to pursue any other maybe potential franchise projects in the future. Maybe, like, I don't know, maybe Marvel or DC asks her to, like, join something. Maybe she might be apprehensive to do that because now she's kind of reflecting on these toxic, you know, freaking basement dwellers that just have nothing to do all day but just you know attack other people and that sort of inflates their ego and makes them feel better about what they're doing that's really pretty much all that it comes down to now 
Like I said, when I said I was a little bit of a toxic fan, it was never like that. I was never attacking people online or attacking people like in mid conversation, you know, questioning their character. Like it was never that bad. It was just like, oh, like you don't like Forrest Gump? Like why? That's weird, man. Like that's pretty much all it was. Uh, but like I said, there's people out there that absolutely hate Forrest Gump. You know what? That's okay. I've met, I've actually met a couple of people like that. And like, what am I going to do? Sit there and write a 12 page essay or make a PowerPoint presentation and try and like, here's why you should like it. Uh, the director, the, the, the screenplay, the cinematography. It's like, no, I, I can't stand it. I, I don't know. Fandom has become just, it's, it's at like a, 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 a all time different level. <coughs> and it's just at the end of the day, who cares? Who cares what some let somebody hate something as long as of course they're not hating on the people involved and like attacking them if they just hate it if they just hate what they saw so be it if they love what they saw so be it who are you to step in and say like you love this or you hate this well you don't know enough about film that, that's those are those kind of people like i can't stand these like pretentious you know, cinema fans that are like, you know, okay, let me take, for example, like I like hereditary, right? And there's often a lot of memes associated with hereditary. I've seen memes like, you don't like hereditary. You don't understand the substance and the internal message that the director was trying to convey. Like I'm not one of those people and I cannot stand those people. It's like, I've met lots of people that don't like hereditary and that is perfectly okay. Right. I don't need them to sit me down and like, have like an intervention about it like ugh, I just anyways that's probably where I'll stop this first headliner because I think I'm going to just start saying shit that I don't want to um and just kind of go off further on a tangent but that's pretty much the first thing I wanted to mention here a little bit of a rant but I just was so sick of going through social media and just seeing all these people either attacking someone because they they didn't like something that was universally loved or people attacking somebody because they like something that was universally hated. It's just like, why? And, you know, last thing I'll say about this is, is often content creators, right? Like Chris Duckman said this best. I think he, I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but he said like being like negative and, and hating on stuff is very like mon monetizable or, or is that that's even a word it's it's you know there's monetary gain in doing that and we see that a lot you know it's it's it makes for a lot of entertaining content for some people and i'll admit in the past i've watched stuff like that but i've tried to as like i said I've, as i've grown and i've realized that everybody has their own perspective and you have to respect that i've distanced myself from that content and i i will never on this channel try and steep down to to making fun of someone's character or bashing a you know a creator's you know attempt at an art in order to gain from that from for my own benefit and try and get views or whatever. I'm not going to do that. That's just shallow. That's low. And there's a lot of people that have built an entire channel on doing that. And I, I just think it's fucking stupid. You know what I mean? If I'll get a couple views less, like I'm a pretty low podcast, obviously, right? I only get like a couple hundred views per video. So it's not even like a lot of people are going to see this anyway. But my point is, is like, I'm not going to strive to, let's say hit a thousand views by kind of chasing that, you know, that low fruit and just putting like, 
you know, let's say, for example, I'm talking about, I don't know, let's say the, uh, the next Deadpool movie, Deadpool 3. Let's say I didn't like it, okay? That's fine. But, you know, let's say I put in the title, like, Ryan Reynolds is the worst actor of all time. How the fuck can you, how the fuck can you watch his movies? Like, I would never do that. Like, that's, and there's people that do that. And I just, I can't stand it. But anyways, I'll put a button on it there. That's my little rant for you guys. I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know in the comment section if you did. But let's move on to the next headliner. So here will be my Miss Marvel review, if you want to call that. I'm going to keep it, you know, rather short because I've already, you know, I already told you about 10 minutes ago that I wasn't the biggest fan of the show and I'm not going to harp on it for like 10 minutes. As I just said, I'm not going to sit here and just fucking bash on the show in like an attempt for Marvel to like remake it for the way I want. Like that's just not going to happen. So I'm not going to like, it's going to get me nowhere. Just, you know, talking about how much I hated the show, but you know, I'll go over kind of a couple things. Let's start off with the things that I actually enjoyed, right? I liked, I really, really liked the first two episodes. In fact, I think they're probably my favorite of the entire six. And the thing I, the moments I love the most about this show was not the superhero stuff was not any of that. It was actually when, uh, Kamala Khan is hanging out with her family. That dynamic and that chemistry between all them was amazing. And, you know, it's nice to see such like a heartfelt kind of, you know, character and and her kind of engaging with her family. I love that, right? Like that, that was great. I think, you know, I, I think her mom is probably my second favorite character of the show. I love the actress. The actress who played the mom did a fantastic job. Her older brother's great. I love her dad. Her dad's kind of like the more like laid back one. Like he wants to like let Kamala Khan, you know, go out and kind of be a teenager and have that, have her fun. But he kind of has to, you know, you know, side with the mom and, you know, be a dad, you know what I mean? But he, you could tell he kind of wants to let the leash a little bit looser than the mom does. But I love the dynamic. I love the chemistry between them. And when I say I didn't like the show, it, it's not that I didn't like Kamala Khan because in fact... I actually really enjoyed her scenes. I think she's a great, I think the actress Iman Vellani did a very well job. And I'm actually excited to see her in the Captain Marvel sequel, The Mar uh, the Marvels, with uh, her, Brie Larson, and then the actress from WandaVision. So I'm actually excited for that movie now. I wasn't really excited before, but after, of course, the post credit scene and this and the scenes in the show that involved Iman Vellani and her family, and, you know, of course, I thought her abilities were pretty interesting. I know they were... Uh, they took some liberties from the comics. I think they probably did that in order to sort of make room for Reed Richards. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe that's there's some quote out there that debunks that. That's just my interpretation. But so those are the things that I enjoyed. Um, when the show lost me was A, the villain. There was like, I, I feel like, I, you know, the show couldn't decide who was the main antagonist. And it's not... It's not abnormal for a show to have subplots and different sort of problems happening at the same time. That's not the issue. But there, through those subplots, there still did not feel like an actual antagonist. You had Kamala Khan's, um, I think it was like her her like great-great-grandmother or something like that. There, there, there's still some explaining that I that the show never really... Like, sorry, there's, there's some things that the show didn't really fully flesh out. Like we saw a tease of the Ten Rings... And I guess that means that her family has associations with the Ten Rings. I don't know. Maybe that's just Marvel, like Kevin Feige planting those seeds. And then maybe they'll kind of touch upon those down the road. Who knows? 
that might be it. But yeah, I, I had a problem with the antagonist. It felt pretty weak. I was actually talking to a friend of mine. We were texting through it because him and I, were, we were waiting both for the show to fully come out and then we were going to binge it because we both particularly won't, weren't very excited. And we were texting while we were simultaneously watching the show. And we were talking about how, um, well, I, I don't think he agreed with me, but I told him how I feel... I, the way I feel about this show's antagonist is similar to how I felt with the first Doctor Strange movie's antagonist with Mads Mikkelsen's character. Mads Mikkelsen is a great actor, but I just feel like his character, uh, I think, uh, Caecilius, Carcilius, very like one note. He literally just felt like he was in that first Doctor Strange. So Doctor Strange had somebody to go up against, you know what I mean? That's kind of how I felt with, you know, not as much with the antagonists in Miss Marvel because I understood, like I understood why they were there, I understood their motivations and so on. They wanted to obtain the uh, whatever they called the uh, the the wrist thing that she uh, the the bangles I think they're called in the show. They wanted to obtain those, so I understood that. But yeah, not a big fan of the antagonists overall. Um, and honestly, some some of the visuals at times were were a little bit corny, uh, particularly in the last two episodes uh there was just times where i was like eh, i don't know um but yeah that's that pretty much wraps it up um i when i first watched the show i thought okay you know what i think it's 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 better than hawkeye but then shortly after i kind of rethought about it and i was like you know if i had to if i had to rewatch one they're not both of them aren't really great i didn't really love hawkeye but if i had to rewatch one i think i'd rather rewatch hawkeye uh, just, just to be honest, um, like I said, I didn't hate this. I just didn't love it, but that's okay. If you love this show, if you loved everything about it, man, my hat goes off to you. I'm happy for it. I'm happy you enjoyed it, right? I want people to love things. I want people to love, you know, these Marvel projects. Um, but if, if you're like me and you didn't, that's fine. If you loved it, thumbs up for you. I'm happy for you. Uh, but it just wasn't really for me, but I am, like I said, I am excited to see, Kamala Khan return in the Marvels, and I'm sure she's probably going to return in other things, like whatever they do, Avengers Secret Wars and other projects and stuff like that. So I'm a fan of her. I'm a fan of her, of the actress, uh, Iman Vellani, and I'm excited to see her appear in more things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But overall, I just feel like her show was a little bit weak, and I feel like most of my issues pretty much lies with the narrative and the antagonists. And at times, the visuals felt a little bit corny. Um, and that's, that's just my opinion. Let me know if you guys feel the same. Or if you're on the total opposite end of the spectrum and you love this show, perfectly fine. Let me know in the comments below. Alrighty, so on to the next headliner. I'm going to be discussing all things NBA for the next little bit. And kind of going to be going over some of the trades, some of the free agency signings, people getting bought out, things like that happening. Uh, and it, this this part was really frustrating because I want to say it was two two podcasts ago, episode 31 what is this episode 34? 32, I think it was 32. Um, I did a whole 10 minute headliner just talking about all the free agency signings that, you know, Devin Booker and, you know, Nicole Jokic and all that. And the camera wasn't fucking on. I, rookie mistake, I guess. But that was, that was aggravating. That was really frustrating. Oh, no, no, no. What, sorry. What happened was the camera recorded like the first, like, five minutes like the first half of what i talked about uh and I, I just kept going i didn't you know i didn't hear the the camera go off usually the camera makes like a little like a little sound but i guess i was probably just so you know deep in my thoughts 
uh, that I just didn't, I didn't even notice it. So that was really, really frustrating. But here I'm going to, first of all, pay attention to you. Make sure you don't shut off on me. Um, and let's go over some of this. Now, a lot has happened since I actually talked about this in length. So we're going to, I have a list here of not everything, but quite a lot. And uh, let's just start with the top here. DeAndre Aiden, he is staying in Phoenix after the Suns matched his offer sheet. Now, DeAndre Ayton was a restricted free agent. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, I'm sure a lot of you do, but for those of you who don't know what a restricted free agent is, unlike an unrestricted free agent that has the, you know, the, you know, the, the pleasure, not pleasure, uh, the whatever you want to call the, the choice, the free will to go wherever they please, um, a restricted free agent has that to a limit. They can sign with a team and they can listen to a team's offer. And if they accept that offer, their previous team that they that they have been playing with so far in their you know early young career, their team has an opportunity to match that offer that the new team has presented to that player. So, and I think they usually have around two to three days. And it was apparently reported that as soon as DeAndre Ayton was offered the contract and he accepted the contract with the Pacers for, it was $133 million for four years, a max deal. Apparently, right away, uh, Phoenix was like, we're going to take him. And I'm going to tell you something. Now, I don't know this to be true, but I believe that this has a lot to do with the pending trade that's waiting to happen in regards to Kevin Durant. Because I believe that if Kevin Durant hadn't requested this trade and he was still, you know, status quo with the Brooklyn Nets, I don't think the Phoenix Suns wanted to stick with uh, DeAndre Ayton. And I think the proof is in the pudding. I think the writing is on the wall because two years ago, or I think it was either a year or two years ago, the Phoenix Suns had an opportunity to max out and to extend uh, DeAndre Ayton, and in fact, they had an opportunity to extend him after that finals run against Milwaukee when he played pretty well. I mean, you know, there's a couple times he got exposed in the paint against uh, uh, Giannis, but I mean, he's you know, he still played pretty well. And then uh, even, you know, go uh, rewind from that series in the finals up until that finals run when they won against, uh, you know, the Clippers and all those other teams, he played really, really well. And I think he probably earned a pretty nice extension but Phoenix didn't want to give it to him. So I think that the only reason why they re-signed him and they did it so quickly is because they know that the iron is hot and they want to strike while it's hot. And they know that every team in the NBA that's got cap space, that's got assets, that's got, you know, for lack of a better term, disposable, you know, income, I guess. And not that I'm, you know, sort of lowering players to that. Like they're human beings, obviously, but you know, you know what I mean? Teams that have those assets to give those players to trade to possibly get Kevin Durant. They want to be one of those teams and they know that if they lost DeAndre Ayton, there's really no package they could put together that could, you know, be a nice trade for Kevin Durant. Cause I mean, let's think about it. If, if you're Phoenix and you're going to want to get Kevin Durant, you're going to want to have him a lot like paired alongside with Devin Booker and uh, Chris Paul. And if you get if if you lose DeAndre to somebody else, who are you really going to trade? That's going to you know be a nice compelling package that is going to knock it out of the park compared to all the other you know suitors that are trying to get Kevin Durant. If you go down the wire, you'd, you'd really have a trade that would pretty much only consist of like Cameron Johnson, Mikael Bridges, um, Cameron Payne. So pretty much all guards, and that's you know 
the Brooklyn Nets are going to want to get a forward in return, right? Because then you're just going to have a, a bunch of guards on that team. You're going to have like Patty Mills, Kyrie, if, he, if they don't trade him. Uh, you know, um, I can't even remember the other guards. Yeah, uh, Joe Harris. And then you're going to have all these other guards like Cameron Payne, you know, uh, Mikhail Bridges. And I, I guess Cameron Johnson is, is a forward. He's, I guess he's a stretch forward. But that's not a good enough trade, especially if you're trying to get Kevin Durant. So minimum... You need to keep DeAndre Aiden, and you'd have to be included in a trade like that if they want some chance of getting Kevin Durant. Is that true? Is that why they kept him? I don't know that, right? And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not the case. Maybe they just, maybe they mend the fences. If the, if the fences were even broken, I'm just speculating. Maybe they said, okay, you know what? We, we're, we're sorry we didn't extend you. We want you back. We want you a part of our future, whatever. Maybe that is what happened. Maybe that's not. That's just my speculation. That's just what I think. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Let's move on though. Up next, we got the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks have begun trade talks with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, now, as I said earlier, the writing is on the wall. I believe the same thing to be true with Utah Jazz. I, I believe personally, you're feel free to disagree. I believe barring some crazy trade that brings in a, like a, a Katie, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard level NBA player to pair alongside Donovan Mitchell. I believe that team has kind of hit its ceiling. I think we've seen that team be the best that they can. A really, really good team. A team that can possibly win maybe a first, maybe a second round. I, I, I think that year, two years ago, I guess, that 2021 playoff run when they went against the Clippers, I think that was, I think that was as good as they're going to get, personally for me. Uh, so I think that you have Donovan Mitchell under contract for the for the foreseeable future because no teams teams aren't really going to want to trade for a guy that's on like you know one to two years left of his deal even if, even more so if he has like a player option so in reality it kind of shrinks it down even lower teams aren't going to want to trade for that and in reality Donovan Mitchell signed that five year max you know he's locked in so teams are going to know that okay we're trading for him whether he wants to be here or not he's under contract he's with us so I think you know the ball is in Utah's court I think they. They have a lot of options they could explore. And I think the Knicks is a pretty interesting one. I think the Knicks could actually give them a, a pretty a pretty decent package, you know. Uh, I think RJ Barrett would most certainly uh, be included in that. Uh, maybe even their new signee, Jalen Brunson. Uh, I still can't wrap my head around. That was, I mean, good for Jalen Brunson for getting that bag, but I don't know if he's, uh, if he's a max contract player, just in my personal opinion, nothing against the guy. Um, I mean, he certainly cook anybody else on that. Like, that's the thing. Like, we talk about these NBA players. Like, this guy didn't deserve this money. You know, we could say that all we want. But we always have to remind ourselves. The worst, the 15th man on an NBA team could fuck anybody up. You know, anybody else in the world. Like, these are the best basketball players of all time. Or, sorry, uh, in the world. You know what I'm saying? You put them on any, like, random YMCA court. They'd, they'd fucking cook anybody. Anybody. So, that's something we have to remember. But... Compared to his fellow, you know, peers and, and his fellow NBA players, I don't, you know, in that sort of economy of talent, I don't think he's worth that much money, but that doesn't mean he's not a good basketball player, right? Um, let's move on here. So, pretty interesting though. I, I, you know, before we move on, I think that could be an interesting situation. Does Donovan Mitchell want to go to New York? He would be pretty much going to a worse team that has even less of a chance of making a playoff push. Kind of interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes out. 
Okay, so up next, uh, we got Danilo Gallinari is joining the Celtics after clearing waivers, and he signs a two-year deal with the Celtics that's worth $13.3 million. This is a great signing for the Celtics. I actually think they've had a pretty... Uh, pretty strong offseason. I think getting Malcolm Brogdon was a great pickup for them. I think, you know, having Marcus Smart play in the point guard position, I definitely think, like, I don't think it was terrible, but I think having that traditional point guard, sliding him back into that shooting guard spot, I think would have been better for them, offensively speaking. Uh, I think he, I think it's great having Marcus Smart kind of swap, you know, guarding, whether he's guarding the point guard or the shooting guard. Hell, even sometimes some of the forwards, because obviously this is a defensive player of the year that we're talking about here. But offensively, I think getting Malcolm Brogdon in that point guard position was a solid pickup. And even more so now, getting Danilo Garlinari. Now this is a guy that, I mean, they could, you know, the Celtics were already playing five out because everybody on that team could shoot. But, you know, Danilo Garlinari is a great stretch forward. This is a guy that can play defense. He's big body. Put him in the paint. He can go, he can go post up. He could stretch out, shoot threes. Another great addition for them. That front court is going to be fantastic. So I think that's a great signing for them. Up next, Damian Lillard signs a two-year max extension. This one kind of surprised me. I I was waiting to see what was going to happen with Dame. As soon as uh, CJ McCollum got traded back last season, ever since then, I've been wondering, like, what are they going to do? Like, I thought they were going to trade Dame or do some kind of buyout because I know he was nearing the end of his contract, but of course now he's resigned. You know what? Stuttering. Before we move forward, all these big deals, like these 400, not 400, these like $200 million extensions, most of them don't really surprise me. And I talked about this on my last podcast, but NBA contracts nowadays really mean nothing, right? Because Oftentimes, we'll see these players sign these like five-year deals, and it's really just so they can get their bag. And you know what? I don't blame them, right? They got to support their family. They want their, their future to be secured. I get that. But in reality, do you really believe that that player is going to actually stay all five years or all four years? No. It's it, it's just not happening anymore. It might happen with a couple of, the, a couple of these guys, but I just think with, with, with how the NBA has transitioned from you know just what we're seeing now... I just, I don't know. I just, contracts literally mean zero. They mean nothing, right? That's just how it is. Uh, it's very rare that we're seeing players, you know, Dame is an exception. Dame has stayed with, with Damian Leonard his whole career, but he, he also kind of came from, you know, like 10, he's, he's been in the league for a while now, like 10, 12 years. I'm talking about these newer guys coming in like Jason Tatum or, you know, Anthony Davis or Zion Williamson, or, I mean, AD's kind of been around as long as Dame, but, you know, Aside from that, like a lot of these newer generation players like John Morant, Zion Williamson, Trey Young, you know what I'm saying? Luka Doncic. I don't believe these are guys. I don't think we're going to see these guys stick to their teams for their, for their whole career. I just don't think we're going to see that. And, you know, some of the, sometimes I don't blame them for wanting to leave, right? Sometimes they're in a losing franchise. They want to go somewhere and win. I get that, right? But it's just what it just bothers me that like one year into these deals, it's just like, all right, I'm done here. See ya. And most of the time we're seeing now, they're just leaving and they have really good teams still. Like even with Katie and Kyrie, like if they just run it back, get that chemistry back in order, you know, spend some time together with the team, that team is still on paper, a contending team, right? It's, it's not like Katie's requesting a trade because that team is utter garbage, right? That team is still very, very good. You have really good pieces on that team. 
Um, but anyways, getting back here. So yeah, Damian Lillard signs a two-year extension. I think that's smart. He's not signing like a, a you know a five-year or whatever. And it's also good because it gives the franchise some flexibility financially because he's not signing like a $250 million deal. Uh, so it gives them a little bit of flexibility to try and sign some guys. Uh, speaking of, you know, taking a pay cut, up next is James Harden. He's taking a pay cut with the Sixers. He is re-signed. Uh, he opted out of his $47 million player option. And uh, let me see here. He signs a new two-year deal that's uh, that features a player option in the twenty, uh, in the twenty twenty-three to twenty twenty-four season. So in reality, it's pretty much a one plus one deal. We, we see this a lot. Uh, will he play both years? Will he opt in on that second year? That remains to be seen. Uh, the deal features. This comes from. By the way, all this information comes from Max Molsky and San, uh, Sanjay Singh of Sports Washington. I hope I pronounced that name correctly. Uh, the deal, this is quote from the article, the deal features a significant pay cut of $15 million, according to the Athletics Shams uh, uh, Char- Charania. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Next, we have the Lakers signed Thomas Bratt. I think that's a good pickup. Nice, young, athletic, big. Uh, TJ Warren is heading to Brooklyn on a one-year deal. Once again, I think that's a positive pickup of my eyes. That guy's a bucket and he balled out in the bubble. Uh, a lot of B syllables there. Uh, Serge Ibaka, he stays with the Bucks. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even realize he was on the Bucks. I just, I don't know. Uh, once I heard he left the Raptors, I, I stopped paying attention to, you know, to Serge Ibaka. So he's staying with the Bucks. Sounds a one-year extension. Uh, the Bulls added Goran Dragic. Once again, I think that's a solid pickup. I think he's a, he's a positive on any team. He's a vet and he can ball. Uh, we saw what he could do with uh, Miami. This guy is an all-star player. Uh, Zion Williamson sounds a massive extension. The former number one overall pick. Uh, agree to a five-year rookie max extension that's worth up to $231 million. I'm calling it right now. He will either ask for, he'll probably ask for a trade two years into that deal. I give him two years, he'll ask for a trade. I could be wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. It'd be nice to see him stay with uh, with New Orleans, but as that team is presently constructed, I do not believe, I believe they can make the playoffs. I don't believe they can make it out of the first round. With I mean, you know, of course, depending on what teams play, injuries, and so on, of course, the usual. But on paper right now, I think that team is good. I think having CG McCollum is a plus. I just don't think that team's good enough. And, of course, health is always a concern with Zion Williamson. And apparently there's sort of a protection clauses in his contract to you know protect him financially in the event that he does get injured. I don't know that to be true. That's just stuff I've read in the article. Uh, but let's move on here. Uh, Darius Garland, he agrees to the max extension with the Cavs. No surprise there. Getting the bag. But once again, will he stay for the full, you know, four or five years, whatever it was? What is it here? Yeah, five-year, $193 million max extension. Like, that's just so much fucking money. Like, if you have that opportunity, you you go for it. I can't relate. I've never had that, that opportunity to earn that money. So, you know what? I, I don't blame any of these guys for signing their extensions. What bothers me is a year, sometimes less, into these five-year deals... They're like, I want out. That that kind of pisses me off. Um, but no surprise there. I think he's great. Whatever happened to Colin Sexton? Like, I, I don't really pay attention to the Cavs, but I liked him. I think I like the way he plays. I think he plays a lot of energy, a lot of, uh, you know, um, anger, which I like. Uh, you know, it, kind of like a young Russell Westbrook. I like his attitude towards the game. Whatever happened to him? Did he get injured or something? I Let me know in the comments below if you're a Cavs fan. I once was a Cavs fan. <laughs> Uh, if you've seen my little band, if you've watched the bandwagon episode, I go watch that. I talk all about that. That was a pretty interesting uh, story. 
Funny story. Uh, Bryn Forbes up next. He agrees to a deal with the Timberwolves. Once again, that's a plus for any team. Great role player. Can stretch out, shoot the three-play defense. I think that's a great deal. This is a big one. The Timberwolves add Rudy Gobert in a blockbuster trade. Uh, the trade for the, you know, for the, uh, to get him uh, from the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves traded Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vander, uh, Vanderbilt, Leandro Balmero, 22 first-round pick, Walker Kessler, and four future first-round picks to the Jazz. That is a huge trade, all for Rudy Gobert. Uh, Rudy Gobert is a great player. You have to you have to give him his respect, give him his flowers. He's won multiple. I think he's won like what three defensive players a year. He's an All Star. He's a great player, and I think having him on your team is good. Uh, wow! I you know what? Hats off to the front office of the Jazz. They did a damn good job getting a nice package for that trade. Um, and you know what? That is great, right? Because. I think the Jazz depended because they didn't really have anybody else in their front court to kind of be that offensive threat, be a lob threat, you know, go down to the post, you know, whatever, hit a fadeaway or something. They didn't have anybody on that team to really do that. And I think they kind of depended too much on uh, Rudy Gobert to sort of fill that role where that really wasn't where he strived. What he strived in was kind of protecting the paint, blocking shots. So now that he's on the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think that's a perfect situation for him because now you have a guy, Carl Anthony Towns, an all-NBA talent to, you know, that's his role, be that offensive threat. He's the best player on the team. He's a star. He's a leader. And now Rudy Gobert can sort of just be that role player and just focus on just solely guarding the rim, setting hard screens, you know, sometimes rolling to the rim on pick and rolls if he has to, but he doesn't have to worry about like, you know, stretching out on a, you know, whatever, a pick and pop or whatever. That's, that's not going to be his role. That's going to be Cat's role. He's not going to have to worry about posting up. He's just going to be that guy in the paint, locking it down low, blocking shots, being a defensive menace. And I think this is a perfect situation for him. Okay. So next we got Kevin Herter. He got acquired by the Kings. I couldn't find details on the actual trade itself. Uh, but in my opinion, now, of course, you know, depending on what they actually, the the Hawks got in return, that could sort of sway my answer in a different way. But losing Kevin Herter, in my opinion, is an L because I think that guy is a great player. I would want him to be on my team. He He's long. He could play defense. But better, most of all, he's a great shooter. And I think he's young. He's athletic. And I think that's kind of a loss. Moving on. This is an interesting one because I, of course, am a Clippers fan. I know it seems kind of like a joke at this point. But yes, I am a Clippers fan despite all the bandwagoning that I talked about in my one episode. So this falls in line for my team and my personal interest. But we got John Wall agrees to a two-year deal with the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, Yeah, let me see. Yeah, for $13.2 million. Uh, that's pretty good. Good for him. Getting a little bit of money. I think they did a contract bio with uh, with the Houston Rockets, so he was able to leave, go play for a contender. Great for him. He's on a he's on a contending team. He's gonna have a healthy Kawhi Leonard, a healthy Paul George, of course Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris Sr., Robert Covington, Norman Powell. Wow, I'm just that that's just that's such a good team. I can't wait to watch them. Um, <laughs> I sound like an NPC there. Uh, so it's good for him. He's in a good winning position. But how does this fit with him on the overall team? I have my... Uh, I'm a little bit skeptical. I'm going to be honest with you. This could go really, really well. But he's coming off of a pretty significant injury. Now, so was Kawhi Leonard. I know somebody would counter with that. But the thing is, Kawhi Leonard has played basketball within the last year. Okay? 
John Wall hasn't played basketball since before the pandemic, I believe. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. It's been like two years at least. So I have my reservations. However, I know the talent he is. I know what he's capable of. So this could go really well. I'm not saying this won't work, but I have my speculations. I have my reservations. I think this is kind of like, uh, this will be a work in progress. I don't expect them out the gate, uh, out the gate to be like the best team in the NBA. This will definitely take some tinkering, some, you know, maybe some lineup adjustments. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes down the road. But I, I'm a little bit speculative, but there is potential. So we'll have to see how that turns out. Up next, Zach Levine, once again, not surprised, signed the Supermax deal with his team, or I don't know if it was a Supermax, but I mean, it's fucking five years, 250 million, uh, 215 rather, a million dollar max extension. That's a Supermax in my eyes. No surprise for Zach Levine getting the bag. He probably won't stay there for all five years. I mean, I've echoed that before. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I hope he does, but we'll have to see what happens. Pretty interesting though. I think that team could definitely uh, be a nice little playoff uh, contender. Um, I certainly think they'll make the playoffs, but I think, you know, they, they could be certainly an interesting first round matchup, uh, you know, championship contender. I don't think so, but who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. <coughs> Up next, Lonnie Walker joining the Lakers on a one year, $6.5 million deal. I think this is a steal for the Lakers. They got him for cheap because I think he's a fantastic player. Athletic as fuck can literally windmill dump tomahawk dunk. I, I've seen highlights of him dunking. It's fucking crazy. And he can space out and shoot the three pretty well at a great clip. Uh, I think he shoots a pretty decent uh, three-point percentage. I don't have the numbers in front of me here, but just off this, the the report that I was kind of skimming through earlier. Uh, now up next, I kind of brushed over these a little bit earlier. I'll go through these pretty quick. We got Jokic signing for the largest deal in NBA history for $270 million, five-year extension. You know, the cap continues to rise, so I'm sure in about two years we'll hear about some player signing for like $400 million, and then that this will be dethroned, and then it'll just keep going on and on and on and on. Uh, that's the natural progression, of course, of the economic, you know, value of, of money, the dollar, inflation, whatever. You know, back in the day, players were signing for, you know, $200,000, and that was like, that. people were looking at those contracts like they are for these, so in 10 years from now, who knows what, the, what kind of money... Uh, we'll be seeing players make. Um, but for now, that's the largest deal in NBA history. Devin Booker, four years, $224 million. He's staying with the Phoenix Suns. No surprise there. Now, he's one of the few players on this list that I actually can see staying with the Phoenix Suns because he's already stayed with them his whole career. He stuck with them through those shitty years when they were like the worst team in the NBA. And that that's, you know, I like to see that. Players just kind of grind it out. I also don't blame players that are in losing situations, trying to seek elsewhere, trying to seek other teams that put them in, you know, a winning, you know, opportunity. I don't blame them for that. But I also admire players that kind of rough, rough it out, you know, stick it out. That's why I love LeBron James. Aside from, of course, God-given talent that he has, he stayed with every team. He's honored every contract. The only time he's left, sorry, when I say with every team, I mean stayed, you know, fulfilled his, his contract. He's obviously gone to different teams. He's gone back to teams like the Cavs, but he only left and he only did that during free agency. So I like to see that Booker stuck through, through the, you know, through the bad years, through the losing years. And now he's with Chris Paul and he's with a good team and they're winning. So he's one of these players that I could actually see sticking it out. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, four years, $224 million. 
he is possibly another player that could stick it out as well. However, I did hear rumors that like a year ago he, you know, like requested a trade. I don't know if that's true, but it came from pretty credible sources, I believe. So, uh, but I guess things things have changed. Things have gotten better. Uh, next, John Morant, five years, one ninety three million dollars. Now, I'm kind of looking at the Grizzlies, sort of the same way I'm looking at the Jazz from like three years ago. A lot of people said the Jazz have potential. Maybe championships could be on the horizon if they just make this move or 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 this move or that move or this signing. I'm kind of looking at the Grizzlies like that. I feel like we got, you know, give them two more, three more years to kind of see what they can do. If they don't get another big star, in my opinion, I don't think this team is really a championship contender. They could think, make things interesting, maybe. You know, we can maybe see them kind of uh, take out a team in the first round. Uh, maybe win a second round series, maybe maybe get to a Western Conference Finals. That's probably the most I could see them at. But I'm kind of looking at them as that sort of underdog, hungry, looking to prove themselves. I like watching them. They're fun. But I think they're definitely, uh, you know, some some improvements they can make with their personnel. Maybe get try and get another star. Uh, and think maybe maybe get like another veteran. It kind of because you know there's a lot of young guys on that team. Maybe they need somebody to kind of keep them grounded. Uh, we'll have to see what happens there. So uh, John Morant. Do I believe he'll stay there for five years? I don't know about that. Probably not going with my gut. But I could be wrong about all this stuff I'm talking about. This is just my opinion. Of course, you know that. But I feel like sometimes we need to remind people because people just forget that when they're hearing somebody talk about something, they forget that it's their opinion. They're not stating it like it's concrete or like it's fact. Uh, but moving on here. Bucks retain key free agents. Joe Engel. They bring in Joe Engel. I think is a great move. Uh, they keep some players... Uh, like Bobby Portis, he signs a four-year, $49 million extension. That is a steal. He deserves a lot more money than that, but you know, great for the Bucks, I guess. Uh, Wesley Matthews comes back because I'm pretty sure he used to play for them. He comes on a one-year deal. I think Wesley Matthews is a good pickup as well. Javon Carter, two years, good pickup. Uh, actually, sorry, he was on the team previously, and he's staying. It says it says staying put, so I I guess that means he was on the team previously. And Joe Ingles joins the team on a uh, one-year deal. So, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I think this this further shows that the writing is kind of on the wall. I think we're sort of slowly seeing the discombobulation of the Utah Jazz, or the deconstruction, rather, I think was a better word to use, of the Utah Jazz. They've lost Rudy Gobert. They've lost Joe Wingles, who I think were two pretty important pieces of that team. Now, I think it's kind of just a matter of time. I think we might see a little bit more and more of, you know, these players either going elsewhere, or getting traded. They still have a pretty good team. They still have, of course, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, I always mispronounce this guy's name, Bojan Barjanovic, or I i don't know, great shooter. So still a good team, but de they definitely need to make some improvements if they want to keep themselves in that playoff, uh, you know, that playoff push among the other really good teams. Uh, Clippers keep Nicholas Batum and Amir Coffey. I mean, Amir Coffey never really, he didn't really get that much minutes with the Clippers. I know towards the end of the season, they were kind of giving him some more minutes, but for the majority, he's... Uh, He's kind of he's a lot more you know lower on the bench in terms of you know the lineup structure. Uh, but Nicholas Batum, that's great. Once again, it's a guy that he's he's a veteran. He's great basketball IQ, can play defense, and of course can knock down shots. I think it's great for the Clippers to keep him. Happy for my team. Uh, up next, Kemba Walker finalizing a contract bio. It's so funny how the landscape can change so quickly in the NBA. It was like not even like not even four years ago, Kemba Walker was you know, among one of the top NBA point guards, all NBA talent. I think he was in like the, he was like in like the third 
place for like winning MVP or something like that. Sorry, excuse that. So this guy is a really good player. He's got he's obviously a great talent. Uh, and now he is kind of like a journeyman almost like he's, he got traded to the Knicks that didn't work out. Then he got traded to the Pistons and now he's doing a buyout. So, you know, I'm rooting for him. I hope he kind of gets this. He lands in the situation that he's hoping for a winning situation. And I hope he gets to prove himself and remind people once again, that he is that guy. Uh, so yeah, that pretty much rounds up all the NBA coverage you know, things change every day, every hour. So who knows? Maybe while I'm covering this, maybe KD got traded. Maybe Kyrie got traded. Who knows? Uh, and yeah, let me know what you guys think about all of this in the comments below. So for the next headliner, we're going to circle back to some comic book Marvel nerd shit. The shit that I love to talk about. And we're going to go over, there was a leak on Reddit and it listed literally every single upcoming announcement that we're going to see at San Diego Comic-Con in regards to Marvel and D23 following that in September. So we're going to go over some of this. Now, some of this has already been uh, proven, to, proven to be bullshit, but some of it I could very well see happening in a lot of uh, industry leakers that have... That have very credible track records have also supported not all of these, but some of these leaks. So we're going to go over them. I have the article here in front of me. Um, it was just so much information. I didn't really want to print it off. I could just read it off here for you guys. Now let's start from the top. So apparently it says here that Deadpool Ryan Reynolds will be in attendance to announce the next Deadpool movie, which isn't going to be titled Deadpool three and director Sean Levy will send in a video. Not surprised there. This one I could, I very well believe we will see or hear some kind of announcement in regards to Deadpool three. We know that they've been writing that film and that film is, is in pre-production. So they're, they're very far along in the process and I'm sure they're probably going to be good shooting. Uh, relatively soon, definitely next year, or at the very least at the latter half of this year, probably in the winter towards December. Uh, next, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Ryan Coogler, uh, Danae Gorira. I, I def I'm so sorry. I, I really definitely, I'm bad at pronouncing names. Uh, Tenoch Herta and Dominic Thorne will be present and will bring the first Black Panther. I got to stop moving this. Wakanda Forever trailer, which once again, that I believe that makes sense because we've seen zero uh, trailers yet for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which of course makes sense in light of Thor Love and Thunder just premiering. So they didn't want to take away the spotlight from that. But now we're a couple weeks detached from Thor Love and Thunder. The hype is kind of settled. Fans are pretty mixed and divisive on it. So now it's time to sort of rebuild that hype, rebuild the Jenga mountain tower and get ready for the next Marvel temple film being Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So that doesn't surprise me. So far, we're good. So far, I think, okay, this sounds like it makes sense. <coughs> Excuse me. Take a sip of my coffee. Oh, I'm out of coffee. Well, let's keep going here. Secret Invasion, the Disney Plus show. Uh, no one will be in attendance for, attendance for Secret Invasion, but they will reveal the main cast and share some footage. Once again, I believe that. Uh, they're very deep into shooting that. Uh, show and apparently they're do even doing some reshoots right now, which makes sense why nobody will be there in attendance uh, Up next this this one Apparently has been debunked, but I'll read it anyways because why the fuck not blade Mahershala Ali Kit Harrington Aaron Pierre Milan Ray and Basim Tarek will be in attendance for some news one big piece of news is that Anthony Starr 
who of course plays Homelander in The Boys, will be playing Dracula. Now, I am not a uh, The Boys fan. I've given the show a try. Personally, it's not really for me, but I understand it. it's developed a cult following and it's very, very popular. So, and you know what? You know, for, for the very little that I watched of The Boys, I gave it a short try. I did like uh, Anthony Starr's Homelander. So, and I think he'd be pretty cool as Dracula. However, apparently a lot of people are saying that this does not make sense because at you know the, the point of time where they'd be filming Blade would actually be the time that Anthony Starr would be scheduled to film um, this season four of The Boys. So the schedules would, would conflict with each other. So apparently that's not true. However, that's that's not been totally debunked. So you know, I'm reserving a little bit of hope because I would actually like to see that. I think that'd be pretty cool. Up next, the Marvels, uh, Brie, Iman, and Tiona will be there. Of course, those are the actresses. Uh, when they show their footage, Za Ashton will be present due to her pregnancy, won't be, sorry, will not be present due to her pregnancy. Anson Mount will reprise his role as Black Bolt. Jody Turner-Smith will join as Medusa in the post-credits of the movie, setting up Universal and Humans as a big cosmic story going forward. This one is interesting. I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, I'm leaning towards this not being true. Um, just because we saw Ansem Mount, of course, gets uh, destroyed by Wanda in Multiverse of Madness. Of course, one could, you know, argue and say that was a multiversal version of him. Could We could easily see another. That is also true. I just, I don't know. I don't know if this is true. Especially also because of the end of Miss Marvel, of course, spoilers. Uh, we find out that uh, Kamala Khan, who is most notably in the comics and Inhuman, is actually a mutant. So that, that's something I didn't even cover. Let me actually go over that real quick. That was one of my favorite moments of the show. Of course, aside from the post credit scene, the mutations line officially, we are officially introduced to our first mutant in the MCU. Now, what I believe is that now that she's the first official mutant, I do think that now this kind of leads us to believe that there are mutants that already exist. Maybe they themselves don't know that they're mutants or they haven't been officially you know, tagged as a mutant but I believe that mutants are among the MCU. I just It's sort of similar to like the Eternals. I just don't think we've been introduced to them yet. Could be wrong, but that's just kind of after that post or after the, that line and that introduction. That's kind of like what I'm believing now. So moving on. This is when I started to believe that a lot of this is bullshit. World War Hulk. World War Hulk was originally going to be a movie. It is now being turned into a four-part Disney Plus series. That makes sense because uh, for those of you who don't know... Uh, Universal, there's sort of like a rights dispute that between Universal for the rights of the character of the Hulk between Universal and Disney. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Disney owns the production rights to the character. That's why we've seen uh, Hulk in you know other you know other movies for other franchises like Avengers and of course Thor Ragnarok. But when it comes to his own film. I believe that Universal owns the distribution rights, which means that once the movie's made, then all the power and all the authority, that is up to Universal. So Universal decides where that movie goes and what, what happens to that movie. So the movie can get made by Marvel, but in regards to what happens after, pretty much, the distribution, all is under the hands of Universal. I could be wrong. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's Marvel owns the distribution rights. But that wouldn't really make sense. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm almost positive that I'm right when it comes to that. 
so up next, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. The majority of the cast will be in attendance and they will show some footage. This I do believe. Uh, I think they're done filming that. And uh, it'd be nice to see some Adam Warlock footage. <coughs> Let's see where we're at here time-wise. Uh, up next, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. This is a movie I am very, very excited for. I think, you know, aside from like Fantastic Four, I think Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is, I think, probably for the rest of Phase 4, I think that's one of my most anticipated films because I am a huge fan of Kang. I loved his introduction in Loki and I'm excited to see what they're going to do moving forward. And there's actually been a lot of leaks and a lot of reports that they're going to be introducing. Um, what's the... Fuck, I'm drawing a blank. What's the villain's name? Uh, Modok. Modok is apparently going to be in... I've heard some crazy leaks that the film is going to take place all in the quantum realm and Kane the Conqueror is trying to uh, sort of infiltrate the center and, and take over the center point of time in the quantum realm. It just sounds absolutely insane. I cannot wait. Now, whether that's true or not, you know, that's a leak, so take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but yeah, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. Apparently, we will see some footage with actors Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, and Newton Prezen. I don't know who Newton is. Uh, and then Jonathan Majors will send in a video as Kang. That's pretty interesting. Uh, Wonder Man. I didn't talk about this on the podcast yet, but it was reported from the big, uh, you know, Hollywood trades that that was announced uh, that that film that that project is in development. I think it's going to be a Disney Plus series, and apparently Henry Golding has been cast as Simon Williams. Uh, and apparently, an interesting detail is that Evan Peters from, of course, Ralph Boner, who was sort of like the troll in WandaVision, everyone thought that was because he literally was Quicksilver. Uh, from the Fox X-Men universe, but he may have a new name and will likely be a side character. I don't know if that's going to be true. I'll be honest, I'm not very excited about Wonder Man. I don't know enough about the character. Uh, the last two announcements we're going to be apparently seeing at uh, San Diego Comic-Con on July 22nd, I think the date is, is Daredevil, A Man Without Fear is apparently the working title and it will be announced that Charlie Cox is starring along with uh, Isa Gonzalez as Elektra. Now, I never finished the daredevil um uh the daredevil netflix show so i i haven't like i'm not as attached to the show as a lot of other people are uh, i'm still kind of watching i kind of like you know i'm very uh, it's hard with with me in tv shows i lose interest i kind of come back and come there's only been like three shows that i've watched like in its entirety like consistently so i will revisit the daredevil show uh, at some point because you know i do like charlie cox as a character and, you know, I'm excited to see what they do with this uh, sort of reboot, rehash, sorry, pardon that, of his character in this, you know, sort of new Disney Plus version of it. Um, and I wonder if they'll bring back the other characters from the original show. Uh, and, yeah, so that is coming. Very, very excited. And I, I like I liked seeing him in Spider-Man No Way Home. I thought, you know, that put a smile on my face, even though I'm not as attached to that character and to that show as, uh, as uh, other people are. Um, but I've, I've, you know, a lot of people... Have really enjoyed his take on the character compared to something like Ben Affleck's take, you know, from, you know, whatever, way back in the early 2000s. Uh, now, apparently the big reveal at the end of Comic-Con will be, uh, wait, at the end will be the announcement for Blade. Oh, apparently it's going to be for the announcement of Blade, I guess, Anthony Starr. And it will be some titles and their stars. Uh, wait, it will, sh it will be some titles and their stars and their, and their associated stars. So I guess like they're just going to flash some other, like, future movies coming how long is phase four going to be then like is phase four going to go up until like 2026 i don't that's pretty interesting uh feige will announce a mutant centered film with giancarlo esposito as charles xavier and glenn powell as scott summers 
I hope that's true. Giancarlo Esposito has usually only kind of played these, uh, you know, antagonist roles, but I could definitely see him as Charles Xavier. Glenn Powell, of course, he was just in the biggest blockbuster of the year. Uh, now billion dollar film, I think. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, I liked his character as well. So him as Glenn Powell, like I said, I'm not a huge big X-Men fan, but I am very interested to see how they will be handled in the MCU. Uh, and I think Glenn Powell, Scott Summers, I think that is the Cyclops character. So... I, I'm with it. I think both of those actors are great. I think they, especially Giancarlo Esposito, I would love to see him as Charles Xavier. Uh, now, next at D23, apparently what we will be seeing. This is pretty interesting. And a lot of this I do believe. Now, uh, apparently Marvel is saving the announcement of Captain America 4, Fantastic 4, Thunderbolts, and Shang-Chi 2 for D23. Uh, Armor Wars, Nate Moore will executive produce alongside... Uh, Don Cheadle, John Favreau, Sam Rockwell, and Walton. Walton Goggins will reprise their MC roles. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, and then we got Fantastic Four. Now, this is where things get interesting. Uh, now, I've talked about this actor playing Reed Richards before. In fact, I'm pretty sure I talked about it either on my last episode or the episode before. And it's been reported that the announcement will be at D23 that Jamie Dornan, the man from... Uh, the film that got nominated for an Oscar last year, I think it might have won an Oscar. Uh, Belfast, and of course, he was from the Fifty Shades films. I've never seen those. Um, now, Amanda uh, Seyfried will play Sue Storm. Joe Curie will play Johnny Storm. Steven Spielberg is in final negotiations to direct and serve as a producer. The story is mapped out, and Steven will bring someone on to write the script. Should he come aboard, he will cast Ben Grimm. Now, it's already been debunked by Variety that apparently Steven Spielberg is absolutely not involved with this film, and he will not be directing, which is sad news because I think any person who's a fan of film, pretty much everybody knows who Steven Spielberg is. Of course, Jaws, Indiana Jones, last, uh, last year's a film that I believe is the best picture of the year, West Side Story. So this guy's a genius, widely regarded as the greatest filmmaker of all time. And it would have been crazy to see him direct Fantastic Four, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. That doesn't mean we're not going to get a good director. I'm sure Kevin Feige is taking his, his, his damn time to pick a good director because apparently that he is swinging for the fences and trying to get a very, very good director to direct this film. So rather than, you know, he's usually known to kind of, you know, picking apart these, these sort of like, you know, filmmakers that aren't necessarily like mainstream. He sees something in them and then they end up usually getting these big established careers and stuff like that. Okay. Sorry about that. My camera actually did die. And unlike that podcast I was telling you about, I actually caught it and I heard it. So came back. Here we go. It's charged. Now let's continue. So we covered, yeah, we left that fantastic force. So yeah, Steven Spielberg not being attached to the project. Now, do I actually believe that this cast is in fact the cast that we're going to be seeing for the Fantastic Four? I'm going to lean towards no, just because we've already heard that Steven Spielberg is in no way, shape, or form attached to this. I think Jamie Dorman, Jamie Dornan is a name that's already been floated around a lot. I think that could just be wishful thinking by the fans trying to conjure up, you know, this idea, kind of like John Krasinski, but that kind of worked so who knows right but i don't believe that this is the cast we've actually heard a lot of other reports that uh the actor i think his name is pen bagely from you is going to be playing reed richards and i actually think that's a pretty good choice along with him and you his co-star the actress that played beck from season one apparently on her imdb she was listed as 
uh, playing the Invisible Woman in the Fantastic Four. So that is pretty interesting. Uh, the other actor, I can't remember his name, but apparently there was another actor who's playing the Human Torch and his IMDb had him uh, listed as the Human Torch in the Fantastic Four, but I can't remember his name. Moving on, Agatha, House of Harkness. Jack Schaefer, uh, Mary Levanos will executive produce. It will star Catherine Hahn, of course, Hannah Waddingham, Catherine O'Hara, uh, Amy Poehler, and Hunter Schaefer, who will portray Jennifer Kale. Uh, this could be true. I'm not really interested in, in the Agatha House of Harkness show. I love Catherine Hahn. My first time ever seeing her was in Step Brothers, and she was fucking hilarious. Um, she's a great actress. Uh, note, Spider-Man 4 is happening. We just won't hear anything about it at SDCC or D23. No surprise. I didn't expect to hear anything about Fanta or about Spider-Man 4. That We probably won't hear about that uh, till maybe the latter half of 2023. Now, overall, most of this, I'd say like half of this, I think is bullshit. I think half of this is probably not going to happen. The other half, like a lot of these announcements with like Secret Invasion, Black Panther, Deadpool, Daredevil you know, Armor Wars, Captain America 4, Thunderbolts, Shang-Chi, that stuff I do believe we will hear about. But some of the stuff with Blade, um, Ant-Man, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I do think we will see. But some of the other stuff I think is, is probably fake. So that's going to wrap up today's podcast. Uh, if you stuck around for this long, I want to thank you for listening and watching. Remember, of course, you could find me if you want to listen to the podcast instead of watch it. You could find me on all audio platforms. I'm talking Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, um, Apple Podcasts. I think Amazon has some app as well. Anywhere you want, you can find me on Unbashful. Of course, that's going to wrap up today's episode. I wish you all good health, happiness, and everything in between. Have a great day.